You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Internet, welcome back to another edition of Locked On Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Sarah Avampato. I am your host, and you may know me from such places as Locked On NHL, our very own uh, flagship national show here on the Podcast Network, where I am right now available every Wednesday talking about the Western Conference and just some general hockey news with uh, TSN reporter Tom Gazzola. That is on, that is on Locked On NHL. You also have probably seen me around at Jewels from the Crown on the Crown Conversations podcast as a uh, frequent esteemed guest and with my own King's newsletter called Line to the Throne, which is going to be coming back pretty soon with my very own top prospect ranking. That's me. This show is about you and about the Los Angeles Kings. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. You can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. So it seems like every time we chat here on the show, my my main message is maybe we're going to have hockey back soon. We're not sure. Things could still be a disaster. Let's just cross our fingers and hope. And we are still kind of on that same page. So on today's show, we're going to look at the latest state of the return to play world because we are starting to get more information and it is starting to actually get to be pretty concrete. Like it looks like this is really gonna happen. We're gonna talk about that on the show today. First though, let's give you a little update on World Juniors. As we've talked about on the show, the Kings have a whole ton of prospects who are going. Uh, I haven't seen final lists, you know, comparing all the different teams that are uh, sending their prospects, but the Kings have got to have one of the biggest prospect pools at World Juniors. That is if World Juniors actually happens. Let's back up a second, though, because since the last time we talked, uh, it actually happened as I was recording the show and, you know, didn't feel like going back and editing it. But uh, since the last time we talked, both Sweden and Finland announced their selection camp rosters, which include Kings prospects Tobias Bjornfoot and Helga Granz on Team Sweden, and Kasper Simontoval and Juho Markkinen for Team Finland. But there's a catch. Because teams are already having a lot of problems as they're getting ready to even go into the bubble in Edmonton uh, to begin World Juniors. There are pretty strict testing protocols in place. Players have to have a certain amount of negative COVID tests. There's a quarantine period after everyone arrives in Edmonton and they have to have again negative COVID tests before they are released into the wild of the bubble. Uh, But teams are right now having problems even getting into uh, or even getting ready to go. Team USA has already had to make three or four changes. Sweden has had three or four players who have had to drop out and Team Sweden's head coach has COVID as well. Lots of teams having to make substitutions or leave players off their rosters uh, for selection camps because of positive COVID tests. Team Canada as well, as you'll remember, had to go into a 14-day quarantine because two players tested positive for COVID-19. They have now, I believe, emerged from that quarantine period and are getting ready to do a few final scrimmages and make their final roster cuts as well. Uh, If you'll remember, Team Canada brought a whole ton of people into their bubble. uh, So they have uh, quite a few 
cuts to make, uh, not including five players who they've already announced are going home. They uh, didn't really provide reasons, so maybe some of them had COVID, but who knows? Right now, though, all the Kings prospects who are expected to go to World Juniors are still in the mix. Uh, no one has COVID, and we are going to keep hoping that that continues to be the case. World Juniors does begin on Christmas Day in Edmonton in, again, a bubble format. All teams have to check in on Sunday for a four-day quarantine and test period before being released into the bubble December 18th. Team Canada, uh, they have actually gone to what they're calling a fully secured bubble format. Uh, so before it was just what they called a protective environment where it was like, do your best, do your best to, to not get COVID. Uh, and now they're going full bubble, uh, which means that no media will be attending practice or games Intra-squad games are not going to be streamed online like they had been previously. Uh, they're not going to be having any referees, linesmen, timekeepers. Uh, it's just going to be the team and their personnel. So uh, we're not going to get another chance to see Quentin Byfield and Jordan Spence before World Juniors actually begins. And another thing about that, uh, Alberta just released a whole bunch of new restrictions on gatherings, which may or may not impact World Juniors. Technically, there are a bunch of bans and restrictions on, you know, gathering in person and, you know, physical activity kind of things and indoor sports and all that stuff. Uh, so it remains to be seen, you know, what exactly is going to happen. Oh, also, like, the president of the IIHF has COVID, too. So everything is terrible. <laughs> no, that's not true. We're going to get serious about what it means to be playing junior hockey in the middle of a pandemic coming up after this. Real quick, though, if you haven't heard already, Built Bar, it's back. It is better than ever, and it is still super delicious. Built Bar is basically the best tasting protein bar that's out there on the market. It is something that tastes like a treat, like a fun surprise for you instead of something that is really healthy. But surprise, it is actually healthy. It is low in calories, low in sugar, high protein, high fiber, and just great all around. Whether you're looking to lose weight, maintain weight, or just have a nice tasty treat. It comes in 18 amazing flavors, including cookies and cream, apple almond crisp, mint brownie, coconut, and many more. So go check out BuiltBar.com. See all of the great stuff that they have available for you uh, to help perk up your day with a little bit of a protein boost. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. Later in the week here on Locked on Kings, we're going to take a look at the proposed changes to the divisions for this upcoming season since Canada can't leave Canada. That is coming up later in the week on the show. But right now, let's be a little overcritical of junior hockey. It is just getting very complicated and, you know, it's, it's one thing, it's not great no matter what, but it's one thing to ask adult men to be potentially putting their health on the line to play in the NHL this coming season. Uh, you know, they're making millions of dollars. Uh, the, the lowest paid guy is still making, you know, more money than I could ever possibly think of. You know, I think league minimums $750,000 or somewhere around there, $800,000. Uh, so it's one thing to ask grown adult men to potentially put themselves 
in harm's way. This is really the same discussion we have about concussions and fighting and the physical dangers of hockey. And it applies to COVID too. It's one thing to ask that of of adults. It's another thing entirely to ask it of teenagers who are not compensated, who are still technically amateurs, and who see this as a gateway to their future career, let alone the fact that they are you know, wanting to play to represent their countries, to win a medal, for pride, for patriotism, whatever. Players know, especially the guys who are, you know, undrafted or who are looking to make an impression on the team that drafted them, this is a really important time for them. And people see these games and people judge a lot about players based on World Juniors. How many times have we seen, oh, so-and-so player had a bad World Juniors and that sort of you know, goes with his image uh, for the rest of ever. Just look at Leah Sanderson, who still carries around that that the the history of the fact that he threw his medal at World Juniors or whatever. Like things that happen at this one dumb competition follow these players around forever. And you know, the fact that we're putting children essentially in this sort of situation where they can't really feel like they can opt out, where they feel like they, you know, they, they, this is something they have to do for the team, for their country, whatever, is a little icky the more I think about it. The less I like it, really, the longer I think about it. And, and so, I, you know, I think that's something complicated we all have to grapple with. Uh, it, it's sort of the same discussion that is happening in certain corners of the sports world in regards to college sports, college football, college anything that's going on right now, college football in particular is having a huge problem with COVID. It's just not great in the college world. And it's the same as junior hockey, where they are amateurs. They are, you know, 18 to early 20 years old, you know, especially in football, they are playing because this is their their path, their only path to the NFL, to a, a career in professional sports, and they don't want to you know, be be left out. And this is the, their best way to get seen by playing on a team that is not really protecting them potentially as well as they should. Uh, so I, I think that people looking at, at junior hockey and people looking at world juniors and kind of trying to figure out their feelings on it, I, I think should look a lot to the work of people who are being very critical right now of the NCAA and how they are treating these quote unquote amateur athletes who are putting their lives on the line, especially in the terms of football, not just physically because of the game, but now because of COVID, uh, all for essentially entertainment purposes. So I didn't really mean to start the show and immediately throw it down like a super heavy path. That's I, I, That's not really what I expected to happen today, but just just the more that I see and think about World Juniors and the fact that we are putting these players in this situation for essentially our entertainment, because most of these guys are drafted. Quentin Byfield's life is not going to change if he plays or does not play in World Juniors. Like, he is still going to be one of the most highly regarded prospects. The Kings are not going to be like, oh, you're garbage now because you didn't play in World Juniors. You know, I, I, it's just makes me wonder, like, is this the right choice? Is this really what we should be doing? 
uh, especially to a bunch of, again, uncompensated teenagers. Uh, so yeah, like I said, didn't really mean to, to, to <laughs> go quite there, but it's, it's just a weird situation. And I, I am, you know, follow a lot of people on Twitter who talk a lot about, uh, college sports. There's a great podcast called the end of sports podcast, uh, that talks a lot about these issues and, uh, would recommend giving it a listen if you're interested in kind of like the labor world of sports and the bad things that they are doing uh, to to get people to play. Uh, but just, just not a great situation for, for anyone at all. Um, most possibly these kids who are going to get potentially exposed to a very potentially unpleasant virus for them. But if all things go well, if there are, you know, no more positive tests, we, I guess, are going to have a World Juniors and we'll have a lot of Kings prospects <laughs> playing in it. Uh, and we'll at least have hockey to watch and talk about no matter how kind of weird it makes me feel. Next on the show, we're going to look at the latest in the NHL's plans for a return to play. Make sure you're also listening to Locked on NHL, which is our national show. Right now, we're going Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, uh, all about things going on in the league, talking about world juniors, current events, wild speculation, all that great stuff. You can hear me on Wednesdays uh, alongside Tom Gazzola from TSN, uh, who is our previous Locked on Oilers host, who is still hanging around to chat with me every week all about the Western Conference and other uh, hockey news. Locked on NHL is available wherever you get your podcasts and also on Twitter at Locked on NHL, where you can go give us a follow and keep up with all the cool stuff going on around the network. Looking at the NHL and their return to play, the latest news is January 13th is when the season could potentially start. They're looking at between 52 and 56 games, depending on the source. So not quite a a half schedule like the uh, most recent lockout, a little bigger than that. But uh, I'm going to guess there's going to be a a amount of room, wiggle room at the end of the schedule uh, for games to be uh, relocated, let's say, if things have to start getting postponed because of COVID. Training camp start dates are still to be determined, but right now it's looking like that'll happen on January 3rd. And the expectation is that camps will open a little bit earlier than that for teams like us that didn't make the playoffs. The initial plan was that that would be initially a week of uh, extra training time for them. It's probably not going to be that much. It's probably going to be just a couple of days instead. Uh, But I guess we'll give everyone a chance to get together and learn where each other is on the ice to make some passes connect, because that's always the King's biggest problem. There probably aren't going to be any exhibition games either. That's what I've been seeing a lot online, is that uh, we may just jump right into the season, which is going to be, oh, buddy. Like, you think about how, like, terrible exhibition hockey is, like the the preseason games where they're just real bad and real slow, and no one knows who's where on the ice. Like, I'm just imagining that only worse for the first, like, two weeks of the season or something. Uh, so not really looking forward to that. But, hey, we'll take what we can get, I guess. As we've kind of talked about before, there was sort of that concern between the owners and, you know, the Board of Governors and the players. And the Board of Governors and owners wanted more money from the players and all of that stuff. And was there going to be a lockout? Was there going to be a strike? Was there going to be weird legal maneuvering? Uh, and it all kind of went out with a whimper. 
essentially, uh, because both sides said, you know what, we're done. Like, we're not going to fight about this. We're just going to go with the agreement we signed over the summer and and fine, whatever. So, you know, the, the, the league decided not to try to continue renegotiating. The players said, great, cool, uh, because the players had actually proposed uh, some things that they wanted from the league if they were going to agree to the uh, salary changes the league wanted. Uh, the league said, never mind, let's just do it. So all of that CBA stuff is off the table. And now all that's really left is to figure out the logistics of how the season is going to work. One of those things, of course, is the roster size. It uh, looks like there's going to be expanded rosters. So the the thing that we're seeing right now is rosters will go to 26 uh, from the 23 that you're usually allowed to carry. Uh, and then four additional taxi squad members, what they're calling, uh, for a total of 30 players. Uh, you can kind of think of your taxi squad as kind of your black aces a little bit. Uh, reported by uh, Frank Saravelli, he says that the taxi squad players could earn the AHL salary, but they'd be receiving NHL benefits and the per diem for their daily expenses and everything. So uh, those guys would be your kind of like extra in case of emergency players if someone gets hurt or, or whatever. Uh, the AHL, by the way, tentatively starting February 5th, uh, again, remains to be seen how that's going to go, especially if the teams are going to be able to bring an additional seven players essentially from their prospect pool, from their AHL world uh, with them. Uh, up to the NHL, that is going to cause a lot of havoc for AHL rosters, especially as teams try to figure out, you know, do they leave their good players down in the AHL to get them playing instead of sitting around on this taxi squad? Like, that's a big decision that they're going to have to make. Uh, but that is all still up in the air. Also up in the air uh, where everyone's going to play because maybe there's going to be a hub bubble system to open. That is something that is still kind of on the table. Uh, the Kings may even have an issue playing at Staples Center. If the NHL does not start out using hubs, uh, there are increased restrictions, of course, throughout the state of California. The San Jose Sharks are already kind of like potentially not going to have a home for the season because of restrictions up there in the Bay Area. Uh, and that could poss possibly impact the Kings as well. Uh, so it is a little questionable as to whether we're really going to get to see Staples Center, although the ice is back in, uh, so they're ready for us. We'll probably have to keep an eye on what the NBA does. Uh, the Clippers and Lakers are set to begin their preseason schedule, playing each other on Friday at Staples Center. So uh, I feel like they're going to be a big uh, uh, indication of how hockey may go uh, in terms of just having events at the Staples Center without fans. The hub idea is, of course, still up in the air, uh, still on the table, let's say. The league is considering locations where the NHL team is the lone primary tenant of the arena, since if there is a hub, it's going to be a lot like it was for the playoffs, where there are just games all day, every day. Uh, they do want to have two sheets of ice available, so there's practice ice available, hotel accommodations, you know, proximity to the arena, whatever. Uh, and so that would obviously, aside from COVID restrictions, rule out LA because we've got a lot of basketball there as well. Uh, the, the U.S. cities that are getting attention, uh, New Jersey, uh, Columbus, and Las Vegas, all of those are, are things that are kind of being looked at by the league. But again, we're going to, we're expecting to hear more in the near future about what's going on. But 
Uh, right now, all of it is still just speculation. The other big thing is money because uh, no one's going to be making any of it this year because no fans, no concessions. They've got those cool retro reverse jerseys, but that's about it. Uh, the NHL is looking to find a way to help owners. Uh, the NBA recently just announced that they're going to give $30 million to each team uh, from the league to help with finances, uh, to help, you know, make sure that teams still exist and are solvent throughout the season. Throughout the season. Uh, the NHL is allegedly working on a similar plan, but there isn't really any more information about uh, what that could look like. So we are getting closer. We're getting closer to having hockey. We're getting closer to seeing some of our prospects in action. Uh, again, no matter how icky that makes me feel in some ways, uh, we are so far on track for World Juniors as long as everyone can get into the bubble. Uh, they've also said, by the way, with World Juniors that they can play. There are 10 teams scheduled to be there. I think they said that they can do it with eight. Like they, they would be okay with reducing, say, if, you know, if Sweden had to drop out, uh, which would really stink because they're very good and very competitive and uh, always kind of a threat for a medal. Uh, but they, they, the IIHF would allow it to go forward with less than the 10 teams usually that are there. You know, obviously the ideal is that everyone gets into the bubble and everything is fine and great and cool and there's hockey and no one gets sick. But we're getting closer. We're getting closer to being able to look at things like practice training lines and who Todd McClellan tries to make play next to Andre Kopitar and like who gets more starts in net during scrimmages or something. We're so close to being able to complain about Curtis McDermott again. Like it's there. Like I can, I can taste it. It is right there. It is like there for the grabbing. We're almost ready to, to, to actually have Kings hockey to talk about again, to complain about whatever ridiculous things happen on the ice and I, for one, am pretty excited uh, to, you know, get to go back to like talking to my fellow Locked On NHL hosts uh, about their teams and previewing games and all that stuff. I, I think that we could all use a good start to 2021, which is just around the corner, and having hockey back in a way that is done safely with consideration and care for, for these players, for the staff, for the people who have to work at the arenas, uh, and also to make sure that these guys aren't jumping the line for, you know, vaccines. It's already bad enough that like, we're, we've essentially learned that pretty much all the sports leagues have jumped the line in terms of testing. Like UCLA right now is not allowed to do any more COVID tests because of how backlogged they are. Uh, there's like a several day wait for that site that's at Dodger Stadium or whatever. Uh, and yet here we go with, you know, two basketball teams and a hockey team, uh, two hockey teams if you want to, you know, branch out and include Anaheim, three if you're going to include the Ontario Reign. Uh, there are a lot of sports teams that are going to be going back to like very regular routine testing uh, while we're still struggling to get people appropriately tested and appropriately cared for uh, out there in the world. So, Again, this was like way heavier than I thought today was going to be like not talking about like the ethics of sports in a pandemic world. But but here we are. Uh, I, I feel like those of you guys who are regular listeners of this show should really expect nothing different from me. If this is your first time listening to this show, like 
sorry, not sorry, I guess. Uh, but as we have more hockey to talk about, uh, I'll be less of a downer, I guess. But we're gonna we're gonna hope that there's more hockey to talk about in the near future. And that kind of wraps things up for today. We are, of course, going to continue covering all the latest news and information about the NHL, about the Kings, about everything that we learned. So make sure you stick around here on Locked on Kings uh, for all that cool information. You can find me on Twitter at Right Said Sarah. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked on LA Kings. Make sure you're given both a follow uh, on Locked on LA Kings Twitter account. I uh, do share a lot of stuff about prospects, a lot of clips and information that we're seeing about our guys throughout the system. So if you're looking to learn about the next generation of Kings, uh, that's where you can do it. Of course, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts on whatever your favorite app is. We are there. Maybe we were your favorite podcast on your Spotify wrapped thing. If you were, send me a screenshot and we can like, I'll give you a thumbs up. I don't have anything to give you other than just like mad respect, but subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tell your friends leave a review and uh, come back for more Locked on LA Kings as we continue to get ready for a potential possible return to play. Until next time, this has been Locked on LA Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.